like what it says. But it's there, nonetheless, to change us, to transform us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when we're born again, the word there is metamorphosis. It's a complete, total transformation that takes place in the life of a believer. But in reading the Bible uh, on your daily Bible reading, how many know that you can never just read the Bible? You just can't read the Bible like you do a newspaper or you do a magazine uh, or you do a letter from a friend. You know, there is something very deep that is happening when you open up your Bible and when you begin to read it. It's something more glorious. My friends, I'm telling you, it's something a lot more glorious than the whole entire universe when we open up our Bibles. Whether you open up those pages of the Bible before dawn, over mid-morning coffee, or at the dinner table with the family, whenever you read the Bible, something glorious, something miraculous is happening. After all, you are not just any ordinary person. I'm not an ordinary person. And the Bible just isn't just any ordinary book. You are, as a matter of fact, if you are trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a redeemed son or daughter of God. That's who you are. That's what the Bible says you are, if indeed you trust in Christ. The Bible is his very word. You know, I want to tell you something. I, my background was not a very uh, good background. I grew up with a Catholic kind of uh, Persuasion, and I say kind of because we were Catholic by just tag, and but we never really went to church every Sunday. We did on special occasions. My mom tried to instill Christ in us, but yet it was difficult because she was struggling with it herself. And being Catholic, it was uh, kind of confusing for me. I didn't know who to worship. I didn't know who to focus upon. Uh, my mom had an altar in the hallway there, and it had all kinds of saints there. And I didn't know which saint was better than the other. And I didn't know who I was supposed to uh, swear my allegiance to. So I was kind of confused as a young lad. But then it came to a point in my life that uh, in 1982, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, and it took a while, but it came to a point where um, it was between me and him. It came down to me and him. It didn't come down to me and my pastor. It didn't come down to me and my brothers and sisters in Christ, although those things are very important. But it came down to me and him, my relationship to him. And the only way that I could understand who he was or who he is or what he wants me to be or what he wants me to do is to read the Bible. And the Bible is his very word. And yet, as clear as this is to us on paper and in theory, it can easily slip our minds when we step in and out of the normal routine of daily Bible reading. But it doesn't have to. It shouldn't. You see, practically in life, in real life, this gets down to the details of how we approach the Bible, how we approach Scripture. You know, I was reading a, a book a while back, and I'm not going to tell you who it's from, but this, uh, 
this author was, as a matter of fact, he's a very no, well-known minister, very well-known author. Uh, he wrote an, an article, uh, and um, he introduced a very helpful acronym for me when I study scripture. And this was years back. And this acronym is easy to understand. Uh, the acronym is I-O-U-S, I-O-U's. How many know we owe God? We owe God a lot. Amen? So that was a pretty easy acronym for me to understand, I-O-U, I-O-U's. It's taken straight from the book of Psalms and focuses our aim in reading scripture by four exclu uh, explosive verbs. And if uh, are there are any English teachers here, uh, you guys are going to love this. Four explosive verbs in the book of Psalms. The four verbs are incline. Everybody say it with me. Incline. incline. Open. open unite, unite. And satisfy. Now, feel free to write these down if you want to, but these are all taken from the book of Psalms. For instance, the Bible says, Incline my heart to you, not to prideful gain or any false motive. That's found in Psalm 119, verse 36. The next one is open. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. Again, Psalm 119, verse 18. The third, unite. Unite my heart to fear your name, Psalm 86, 11. And the fourth one is satisfy. Satisfy me with your steadfast love, Psalm 90, verse 14. But then there's actually something much more basic to remember before we get to this prayer. Very basic, but it is something that is foundational. It is something that we need to understand and put to practice every day of our lives. It's good to keep it simple. You know, when I was going to seminary, you go into exposition and hermeneutical studies. You go into Greek studies and you get into all these um, difficult uh, teachings that they have there in the seminaries. But I love simplicity. I love to keep it simple. Very simple. But it's something that we need to understand because... When we keep it simple, it kind of recalibrates. It kind of resets our hearts, and it stills the swirling of our minds, because I know that takes place, especially when we find ourselves in a rut, and I found myself in many a rut. It thaws our coldness, it, it seems, and, and it clears the table to focus our souls on the wonder of what we're doing. It is remembering Three straightforward truths when we get into Bible reading. Okay? It's God, the text, and the reader. You know, when I was teaching how to study the Bible, there's three things. It's called inductive Bible study. And there's three words in inductive Bible study that uh, we teach. It's called observation, interpretation, and application. Those three things are very important in your Bible study. You... You, uh, it's kind of like, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible mean? And how can I apply it to my life? That's observation, interpretation, and application. What, is it, what does it say? What does it mean? And how can I apply this to my life? Very simple to understand. But there's three things here that I want to share with you that are so important, so simple, very basic, but very, very true. 
This is obvious in many ways, but perhaps too often assumed that there is a God. And many times, I know that many of us are here today, uh, we come to worship at the house of God because we believe that there is a God. He exists today. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. As a matter of fact, I like to say that I serve the living God, the living son of the living God. Because he lives. He's not a dead God. So, number one, there is a God. Sometimes we kind of take that for granted, don't we? Sometimes we don't even think about that. But there is a God, and he's upon his throne, and nothing will ever change that. You know, we're looking at our world today. And uh, I'm on Facebook quite a bit. I don't know if some, some of you catch my, uh, I know uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Gigi gets a lot of that stuff on my Facebook. I hope I don't offend anybody, Gigi. But sometimes I get into some real sticky um, debates on Facebook. And one of the things that's going on today is, uh, and I, I, I don't, I don't, be, I'm not going to get into politics. I, 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 I believe in. I'm a biblicist. Let me put it that way. People say, "What are you, a Republican? Are you a Democrat?" I'm neither. I'm a biblicist. I believe what the Bible says, and I stay with that. Okay. And my Bible says that God lifts men up and He brings them down. He lifts kings up and He brings them down. I believe that God has a purpose in everything that he does. And God is sovereign. Sovereign means, let me tell you what the sovereign God means. It means that he could do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, with whoever he wants to do it, at any time he wants to do it. There's nothing that can limit God. He does whatever he wants to. And the Bible even says that when all these things are taking place and people think that they're taking control and they think they're uh, fooling God, the Bible says he sits on his throne and he laughs. He knows what's going on, and nothing takes him by surprise. But we see a lot of political upheaval today. We see a lot of situations. Uh, I like watching Fox News and CNN every once in a while so I can see what's going on when they play ping pong, political ping pong. And I just sit there and I smile and I say, God is in control because he is God and he's sovereign and he is sovereignly putting things into place and putting things into motion so, his, so that his perfect will and plan will take place. But the first thing that we need to understand in our Bible reading is that there is a God. This is first and foremost in our Bible reading. God is real, he's mighty, and he is intensely personal. We serve a personal God. Not only is he, we know he's powerful, we know he's mighty, but he's also very personal. In fact, he is God triune. The everlasting Father who has eternally loved his Son and the unceasing fellowship of the Spirit. You know, I'm going to see if I could find it in, um, I looked it up here, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Nazarene Articles of Faith. How many ever read the Nazarene Articles of Faith? Amen. It's a good thing to read. I got to teach, uh, there's 16 of them, by the way. I got to teach them at uh, Pastor Dale's church in, in, uh, in Selma. And uh, so I took uh, some time to, it took a, a few months to teach this. And, uh, but this is something that I really, really like, okay? Uh, and it is uh, the fourth article of faith for the Nazarene church. Amen? Everybody say, amen. amen. Okay, this is what it says. We believe 
in the plenary inspiration of the Holy Scriptures by which we understand the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments given by divine inspiration, inerrantly revealing the will of God concerning us in all things necessary to our salvation, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. So the Nazarene church takes scripture very seriously, as it should. The Bible is without error. It fails not. It will never let you down. It is always true. It would, all, it, it would always come to pass. Nothing will ever hinder the word of God. Forever, O Lord, the Bible says, thy word is settled in heaven. We serve one God, one true God. The Bible says, how many of you ever heard of the Athanasian Creed? It's a creed that says this. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither blending his persons nor dividing his essence. That is God in Trinity. And it is out of the fullness of this Trinitarian relationship that everything in this world exists. He made it all and he condescended to his creatures in a covenant. He came down to where we are at made a covenant with us, revealing who he is, and promising to always act as he has shown himself to be. More than that, he stepped into this world himself in the person of Jesus Christ, as, as it says in John 1.14. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And all that God is dwelled in the man Jesus Christ. The Bible says that in Colossians chapter 2. To have seen Jesus was to have seen God. And right now, in the very moment of, of space and time, when you hold the Bible in your hands, that Bible that you're holding in your hands, this Jesus is present with you by his spirit. He is not distant. He's not unconcerned with what you're doing. He is working. He is listening. He is gladly leaning forward as a God who wants to be near you. This is what we need to understand about who God is. Take a deep breath. God is all over this, my friends. Take a deep breath. He is right here. He is right in you, the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, God speaks through his book. There is a God, and number two, God speaks through his book. Yes, God speaks. Some people say, well, you know, what do you mean, audibly or what? I mean... Do, you know, if I could be in my bedroom and, and I hear a voice in my home, it's God. God speaks, my friends. He speaks to you inwardly. That is how anything that was made, that was made. The Bible says he spoke things into existence. That is how he formed a people for himself. God spoke. He proclaimed his glory. He made known his ways and in his infinite wisdom... He had his prophets and his apostles write it down on a piece of paper. He had what they wrote. He had them copied. He had what they copied, preserved. He had what they preserved, translated again and again and again. And right now, right before you, in full book form, in a language you can understand, is the word of God. 
these are the thoughts of God. These ancient words, nothing less and nothing more, is what God has determined to say to all his people all across all the generations and cultures of this earth. You're holding in your hands right now the Bible, the Biblios, this book which reveals who God is and what he desires of us is composed in 66 books of the Bible, written by 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years. That's the Bible. It's amazing when we open the Bible and we don't think about things like this, but it's God speaking to us. It's God alive in Scripture. My last point here this morning is something that I like. The third is God speaks to people like me. God speaks to people like you. There is a God. There is his incomparable book. And then there's you and I. Or like the old school song says, me and you. This great, mighty, wondrous God who speaks great, mighty, wondrous words speaks them to you and speaks them to me. God showed these biblical authors profound depths and truths into the mystery of Christ, insights hidden for ages, things which angels wanted to look into but could not. He speaks to you. He speaks to me. And now when we read them, God shows us what his will is for our lives. God shows us what his plan is for this world and what's going to take place. The God who talked to Moses face to face as a man speaks to us. And now by his rich mercy, because Jesus loved me, has freed me from my sins by his precious blood and by grace made me part of his people. God talks to me because I'm part of him. And he talks to you because we are all the body of Christ. We belong to him. The one holding this book, you know, this morning, this is what I wrote down for myself as I was preparing for this message. I said, the one holding this book, sitting at this coffee table, which I was when I was preparing this, this person who was sitting at this coffee table preparing this message for these people before God is one who has been brought from death to life. One who has, was delivered from the domain of darkness and transported transferred to the kingdom of Christ. One who was once guilty, but is now righteous. Once defiled, but now I am holy. Once his enemy, but I'm now his child. And God speaks to ones like us. He speaks to someone like me, and he speaks to someone like you. And this is as real as it gets. There is a God can't argue that. There's the text, the Bible, in which he reveals himself to us. Uh, I, you know, I, it, it always never ceases to amaze me when people tell me, what does God have for me? What does God want me to do? Have you opened your Bible? Well, you know, I open it, but, uh, you know, I just don't seem to get it. What, do you pray before you open your Bible? Well, you know, he knows my heart. He sure does. He knows your heart. 
And he knows your motives. He knows your intentions. If you want to know what God has for you, all you have to do is pray. Remember, incline. Remember, incline to the Lord. Open. You know, it's very important for us to be honest with God so God can speak to us. Every single day when I open that Bible, I'm telling you people, it's a real thing. It's just so real. Do it on your, on your own. You know, I, I have a Fresno B route. I throw the paper every morning, believe it or not. I get up early in the morning by 2.30, and I throw a route. I've been doing it for years. My wife has been doing it longer than me, but I've been doing it for about eight years now. No days off. Get up at 2.30 in the morning, throw the paper. Well, I roll the paper, then I throw it. The throwing is the fun part, especially when you get to break windows. No, I'm just kidding. But the rolling is, is difficult. But you know what I'm going to tell you? That is my alone time with God. I listen to good teaching on the radio. There's no traffic on the road to distract me, except, uh, you know, every once in a while, a dog or a cat. But I'm telling you, people, it's the best time to spend time with the Lord, and it gets really real at that time. You're not doing it to impress nobody. You're doing it because you really love the Lord, and you know that there is a God, and you know that the Bible is true, in fact true, and it never fails. And number three, and you believe that he speaks to people like me, and he speaks to people like you. But how can, you know, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, and, and, and I fail God. He speaks to you. If you love him and you're in Christ, he will speak to you. If you love him and you seek him with all your heart, the Bible says, you will be found by who? By him. He will speak to you. Just be honest with the Lord. I see great things happening here in Carruthers. Uh, you know, I, I see, uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I see a little growth here in the church here. And I know that I've seen some growth in the Spanish uh, ministry. And uh, it delights my heart to see that. And if we keep it simple, we keep it basic, you know, there is a God, and he is for his people. And scripture, we need to have the word of God daily in our lives. And never underestimate what God can do through a person like you. Never do that. The problem is when we overestimate. <laughs> never underestimate how God can use you. In a you say, well, I live in a small community. I'm in a small church. <laughs> do not despise the day of small things, the Bible says. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, the Bible says, according to the power that works within you. Ephesians 3.20. Never forget that. Amen? Let's stand.